0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? New?
3: Shop now, in store, or online. Kroger,
2: fresh for everyone. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back to the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast. And this is a special trade deadline edition of the Book of Joe podcast. Joe. I don't know if you've been in a clubhouse at the trade deadline where your team either made a big move or did nothing. Um, But it's that time of year when players almost expect something good to happen. If you're in the race. True. It's amazing. I was kind of like, I get it, but how the
4: players really uh, react when you do acquire somebody, how they, it stirs them up. um, It does. It brings this other uh, breath of fresh air into the room and, and, and the guys really get pumped up from that. Having said that, though, uh, again, because I've been part of this where somebody comes into the room that you think you've already got there among the players. And if it takes the, the spot of a veteran player, which doesn't really happen often anymore, I'm just saying from uh, my own personal experience, when you bring somebody in that does not necessarily indicate or show uh, an increase in the team's ability, that can actually work against you. However, I, I don't think I've really seen that more lately or recently. Uh, But it definitely has an impact within the group. And conversely, also, sometimes when you don't get that done, it's kind of deflating to some groups, too.
2: Well, let's start with the headline, because I think this is the biggest story coming out of the trade deadline. And that is the New York Mets and their owner, Steve Cohen, are playing by completely different economic rules. You knew that going into the season when the Mets fielded a team with a record $357 million payroll, way beyond anybody else. And here we are four months later, and the money that he's paying to get out from under that broken team is unprecedented in the game. Of course, Scherzer went first to the Texas Rangers, and then Justin Verlander goes to the Houston Astros. Joe, including luxury tax money, and he's paying million to have Scherzer and Verlander go away. Assorted other deals, Canna, Escobar, going back to James McCann. The New York Mets are paying $210 million in completely dead money. Their dead money is equivalent to the 14th highest actual payroll in baseball. So to get out from under mistakes, and if you're a Mets fan... You should be happy about this, folks, because by paying down the money as much as he did on Scherzer and Verlander, Steve Cohn was able to get some really good prospects back. In other words, if you're trading for a player with a big salary and you're taking on that salary, generally, you're not going to give up really good prospects. Part of the value is you're taking that financial burden away from the team. But when the money is paid down, you're going to have to pay more in prospect capital. And that's what both the Rangers and the Astros did. So good on the Mets. I'm not knocking them because they're using what is their greatest resource, money, to help fund the next really good Mets team with good young players. So the ability of the Mets to pivot here, Joe, is just mind-boggling to other teams in the game that they can spend that kind of money to get into a high-revenue payroll and then get out of it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I've been a part of, uh, like, say, for instance, the Rays for so many years, and uh, we could not make mistakes down there, and they still can't make mistakes down there when it came to investments and uh, different free agents or signings that you may uh, take on. So that was a big part of that, and actually was a big part of the success down there, too. Uh, Obviously, this uh, situation uh, indicates that just by spending a lot of money doesn't Ensure success. Uh, they did take on a lot of risk. I think also there's a lot of old players involved. Everything you're talking about right there, guys, a little bit more long in the tooth. So, in order to think that they're going to replicate what they have done several years ago, which basically you're paying them for, um, not necessarily it doesn't necessarily hold up, especially when you're betting on so many of these guys to do that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, to basically what they've done is you kind of indicated there uh, they the Mets have paid an astronomical sum for young players that haven't done anything yet either. I know they're prospects, but that doesn't necessarily, again, mean that they're going to be successful on the major league level. So, yeah, it's it's all about money, right? Uh, having that kind of dough, not being concerned about uh, making those kind of mistakes, uh, taking those kind of chances, whereas other organizations, uh, and again, I'll use the raise as an example, you can't make those mistakes. I'm saying Baltimore, to get to the point where they're at right now, did not want to make those mistakes, Cincinnati. So I I don't know, you just got to be, it really, the game comes down to me to like really good scouting and player development. It really does. And if you have those two things going on, you should be able to, to sustain yourself, to constantly try to buy into the, the, the final round, into the World Series, to constantly try to just spend money to do that. I think it's a bad way to go. I, I think it's a great way to augment the opportunity, but to solely rely on that to get you there is a very difficult part. Last point, Just the fact of the camaraderie component, component, bringing groups together. Not easy to do. Disparate group coming from everywhere. I have no idea the the relationship between Scherzer and Verlander, except that I've read different things. And again, bringing them back together doesn't ensure that they're going to be successful together again uh, years after what they had done in Detroit. Um, uh, Groups right now bringing players in at the trade deadline, lots of them, um, to, to think that the group's just going to come together and play baseball well as a group. It's not easy to do. So all these different things are considerations that nobody really um, adds to the mix or talks about a whole lot.
2: Yeah, the Mets wound up paying Scherzer and Verlander $188 million. Wow. (laughs) And that's getting a year and a half from Scherzer and four months from Verlander. It, it costs $7 million per win. That's crazy to have those two pitchers. Let's talk about from a baseball point of view what it means for the Astros, Mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about the Mets. Verlander going back to the Astros in my book, that is the single biggest move that was made at the deadline. The move that will most impact who wins the World Series. I say that because JV's already been in Houston, right? There's there's a comfort level there. Uh, You know he. He trains close to home. Uh, their spring training home is close to his home. He's got Martin Maldonado, who he loves throwing to behind the plate. There's no break-in period here for Justin Verlander. He hits the ground running. Justin Verlander, I know that you can talk about age. His goal is to be Nolan Ryan. He wants to pitch into his mid-40s, and he probably can do it. I look at the way he's thrown lately. Yeah, the fastball is his lowest velocity in seven years. It's still darn good. I mean, it's coming down from a very high level. The slider is probably better than ever. This is a guy in his last seven starts. And I always want a pitcher to be hot when I trade for him, Joe. He's 4-1 with a 1.49 ERA. And most importantly in my book, he's given up one home run in his last seven starts. He's keeping that baseball off the barrel. And the Astros then, oh, by the way, go out and Fromber Valdez throws a no-hitter the day they get Justin Verlander. So that is an impactful trade. Uh, listen, their rotation was wobbling a little bit. Christian Javier's fastball is not the same this year based on the workload he had last year. We know about the injuries to McCullers or Keady, uh Garcia. This is a perfect fit. And if I'm the Texas Rangers and I've played so well this year and I can't shake those darn Astros, I'm really worried about them in terms of how the division is going to shake out. Those two teams have just one more series left, a three-game series uh, in, the, in opening in September. But I, I think Verlander was the perfect fit for the Houston Astros. And you can make an argument, Joe. They're once again the team to beat, all respect to the Baltimore Orioles. But in a playoff atmosphere, we've seen how tough this team is going to six straight LCSs.
4: Yeah, they're pretty impressive to maintain that kind of level of passion um, on an annual basis. Not easy to do when you, when you've accomplished what they have and continually come back for more. I really uh, have a lot of respect for all of that among their players. I don't know a lot of those guys, but uh, from a distance, obviously there's something going on there that's really good. And as you suggested, Verlander coming back to throw to Maldonado is very, very uh, comfortable for him. There's no transition whatsoever. There's just a bunch of excitement. He walks in the door, Verlander's back, here we go. Um, and uh, among the other guys, the other starting pitchers you just – uh, Valdez, who is outstanding, um, it definitely picks all of them up too. It picks everybody up in the building just having the one guy walk in. So they've already been good. They're they're on their, their uh, roll right now, pretty well. They're they're right knocking at Texas's door, uh, and it's probably going to happen. They're going to be there. They're going to stay there. I mean, both teams are going to play well, uh, but I could definitely see Houston potentially overtaking them. I do like some of the latter acquisitions, also though, by the Rangers too. Uh, but I was looking at the Rangers lineup. It just it's just it just it's okay. it's good. It's not great. Um, so there's there's things going on there that that it's not a, a lock for them, the Rangers. That is to just uh, sash- sashay through the rest of the season and and do what but they had been doing earlier in the year. So yeah, interesting development. Verlander can be the
2: difference maker. I agree with you. I love that word sashay. By the way, yeah, you got it. Good on you. Okay, thank you. yeah. And people say, well, why didn't the Astros just resign Justin Verlander instead of giving up two really good prospects to bring him back? Well, he went on the free agent market, and the Mets paid him $43 million a year. There was no way the Astros were going there. Now with the money that's being paid down by the New York Mets, Verlander becomes a guy at basically an average annual value of $17 million a year. I mean, that's why he's an Astro now and not as a free agent. All right, the New York Mets. Let's talk about them. Uh, Billy Epler, who you had with the Angels, uh, had some terrific execu-speak here about defining what's going on with the Mets. The Mets are not rebuilding. They are, quote-unquote, repurposing. That's a new one on me in direction of ball clubs. The Mets are repurposing, and they are going to, in his words, field a competitive team next year. Boy, that's going to have them dancing in the streets of Queens. Hey, we got a competitive team next year. Listen, there's no question, you know, the Mets blew it open this year payroll-wise. It didn't work. They are really rebuilding here. I don't care what they say in the front office. Uh, Trying to restock the farm system at the cost of essentially next year, maybe another year after that. If you're an agent, you got players in the free agent market this year, man, it's bad news to have the New York Mets not be a player in the big free agent game, and they won't be. Uh, I never thought Shohei Otani was going to Queens. It's official now. He's not. The Mets are not going to be a player at the top of the market. Um, so the Mets are going to have to pivot here. I think they're doing the right thing. But don't kid yourself. Um, I, I don't think they can turn this thing around in one off season.
4: Well, first of all, Billy is very bright. And I <laughs> I know Billy's capable of putting words together just like that. However, I still believe that comes from above him.
2: Oh, no question about that. I, I agree with you.
4: Yeah, because everybody's uh, bagging on Billy right now. But the conversation has to come from higher than that. And then... Uh, the dialogue, uh, the talking points. But did you see what Francisco Lindor said today in the paper? I thought it was uh, like back in Economics 101 class at Lafayette College. I mean, coming from him, the way he described it, and I, I don't have the, the quote in front of me, so I don't want to paraphrase, but it was definitely um, economic ease. I mean, he was talking uh, uh, numbers and, and uh, futures and whatever. And I was kind of surprised by that. But then again, all I could think about is that um, somehow there's a program going on possibly there where they're all trying to say the same thing. And it just doesn't come across well, it doesn't come across right. So again, I, I really wish they'd get away from that kind of stuff. Uh, the fans there want to win, want to win right now. They have the resources to do it. Uh, they had the, the bad season. Absolutely. Everything did. Things just didn't go right. Okay. Stuff happens sometimes. Uh, but to say that you're just going to be competitive the next year, we're looking to be competitive that just, uh, that just doesn't resonate. It just doesn't.
2: Yeah, and let's be clear. This was really driven by both Scherzer and Verlander in terms of these trades. You know, Once they traded David Robertson, that was a signal that they were out, at least for this year. And if you're Scherzer and Verlander, pitchers at that age, and you, you've signed with the New York Mets in big part because of the huge commitment from the owner that you were all in, and now the signaling is, well, we're not actually all in now. You know, I, I think Steve Cohen did the right thing here because you owe it to players of that stature with that kind of investment, to be honest with them. And at that point in their career, these guys don't want to go through any repurposing or rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. They want to win. Uh, so they both have no trade clauses. They dictated where they went, when they went. And and I, I don't blame either player, Joe, if I'm Scherzer or Vernlander, and the messaging is, well, you know, we're going to kind of pivot here. Uh, that's not what they signed on for. So I think they treated both pitchers well and these guys drove the trade. Verlander wanted to go to Houston. You know, the Dodgers were in there a little bit, but clearly the comfort factor meant a lot. So the Mets were limited in where they could send these guys. They they did well, all things considered, but I think they did right by the two veteran pitchers. Uh,
4: of course, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, yeah. Uh, to, to uh, have the conversations that they had. I, I, again, I read the papers every day and I, I was uh, definitely aware of that stuff. Um, they, they did treat both uh, veteran pitchers well. I think that's going to serve them well in the future when other folks want to come to town, just seeing how uh, uh, gracefully classy uh, that they, they handled this situation. It does. It does speak well for them. However, it's still moving it forward, man. Um, just to talk about being competitive only next year, that's going to be a hard sell.
2: Hey, we got a lot to dive into here. I mean, what happened to the Dodgers? What's going on with the Yankees? And how about your Chicago Cubs and how red-hot they are? We'll dive into those teams and more right after this quick break.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom slash Joe today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. dot com slash Joe
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
5: your perfect home sweet home
2: Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast trade deadline recap and and let's talk about the LA Dodgers Joe in the month of July their rotation ERA was 6.18 the worst month in Dodgers history, since they, the franchise moved to Los Angeles, there clearly is a need there to improve that rotation. And what did they do? Well, they tried. <laughs> uh, they got in on Verlander, swung and missed. They talked about Dylan Cease of the White Sox, missed on that. Uh, they did get Lance Lynn, by the way, and Ryan Yarborough. But the big, the big ones they wanted, they couldn't get. They did arrange a deal with Eduardo Rodriguez of the Detroit Tigers. Now he has a partial no trade clause, 10 teams where he has veto power. Dodgers were on that list. He said, no, I have a family in Miami. uh, And I respect that, 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 that comes first. And he'd rather not go to the West coast. So that deal fell apart. I don't know how it got to that point, Joe, where players got a list of 10 teams that he doesn't want to go to. And you arrange the deal and then go back to the player essentially at the 11th hour, right before the deadline, and it doesn't get done, of course. Uh, and the Tigers wind up, I don't want to say stuck with Rodriguez. He's a good pitcher. But they had a trade asset that they, they did not cash in, when they really had to do that. So the Dodgers wound up really not getting a premier starting pitcher. So give me your sense of where the Dodgers are at. I, I know they still have Kershaw, and Arias, and Gonsolin, and Lynn, and uh, Bobby Miller, and Emmett Sheehan. But, you know, the the kind of confidence factor you have in the Dodger rotation in past years going to the postseason. I'm sorry. It's not there. Well, I just, it
4: comes down to how hard did they try too. I mean, I still, all this stuff indicates to me that they still have Shoei in mind going into next season. Um, uh, The, the Rodriguez thing, it always amazes me that somebody doesn't want to go from a really mediocre team to a team that has a chance to win. I've, like, I know Votto did that for years in Cincinnati. And I always, that always bothers me a little bit from a distance. I don't know exactly uh, what would hold you back. I mean, we have jet airplanes and stuff. I mean, we all have families. So I, that part of it, I've always had a hard time understanding. But I do believe uh, how hard did the Dodgers try for all this stuff? Because for me, when when Andrew wants something, he goes and gets it. And so uh, I don't know. They've had a lot of success. They still are successful. And I do believe that they believe that they're going to get to the playoffs somehow, and then it's going to be that proverbial crapshoot. They may have some guys getting well that we don't know about. There's some guys maybe there in their system that they really dig on uh, that they think is going to be very helpful or useful uh, by the time uh, September rolls around. So it just indicates to me that Andrew is sitting in the weeds for some reason here. Um, He he knows what he's got. Um, He evaluated everything. He did not want to give up certain people. Didn't think it was worth it for right now. And he's again. He's looking both uh, present tense and future. Future tense is Otani. Present tense is we uh, looking at everything. Uh, they? They feel like they're going to be in the playoffs this year. And uh, either guys getting well, like I said, or somebody's coming on board. Uh, they're looking at that in regards to getting things better. And they look and they're going to dissect a, a competition very well and see how they believe they stack up going into those uh, last two months. So I just I would just stay with the Dodgers a bit. Uh, something's going on there. They definitely have a plan in mind, so uh, I do believe they backed off a little bit, did not want to give up too much because I think Sho might be the the big target there.
2: That's a great point. Everything the Dodgers do is done uh, through the prism of Shohei Otani being a Dodger next year. Uh, that's at least the plan. We'll see if it comes to fruition. But it was a good day for the Atlanta Braves because, to me, the Braves, we all know this, best team in the National League, and most of the impact moves that were made around baseball we're in the American league. I didn't see anybody closing ground on the Atlanta Braves. I like what the Phillies did with Michael Lorenzen. Uh, looks like they might go to a six-man rotation here for the next couple of weeks to try to ease off some of their big starting pitchers. You know, Wheeler and Nola had big workloads last year and they've been a little uneven this year. So uh, adding another really good arm who can also pitch out of the bullpen in a postseason scenario. I, I like the pickup of Lorenzen. But again, the Braves, to me, they're far afield of everybody else. Dodgers, Giants, Phillies, you name it. Um, so good good day for the Atlanta Braves. Not such a great day for the New York Yankees, Joe. Um, listen, we know about their offensive problems. You know, Judge is back in the lineup, but Aaron Judge is going to get absolutely nothing to hit unless somebody starts to heat up behind him in that lineup. You're seeing that already. And they came away <laughs> basically with... Kenyon Middleton is a really good relief pitcher, but that's the strength of their team. <laughs> they had it to their strength and addressed none of their weaknesses. Uh, they're in the stretch of playing Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and Houston. It's not going well so far, having lost four out of five, and now the Houston Astros come in with Verlander to face them. They're in a lot of trouble, Joe, and... Um, Again, we talked earlier about this. When you have a team and you get through the deadline and, and you're just kind of scrapping on the outskirts of the race and you really do nothing of significance, to me, that's a letdown. So let's see where the Yankees go. We know they're, they're counting on, as they like to say, the back of the baseball card of guys like LeMahieu, Rizzo, Stanton. But you know what? Those guys have not been good for a while here this year. And right now the New York Yankees look like they're in trouble offensively.
4: Yeah, I think they're almost uh, in the same category with the Dodgers, um, meaning that how hard did they try regarding uh, their positioning right now and the fact that I still I do believe that they have Shohei in mind for next year too. And I don't think um, – I, I don't have any kind of inside information other than I think that show now has been in the United States for several years. I think it opens up more markets to him. So um, I, I really believe that has something to do with it too. Um, regarding the Yankees, they just don't move well. I mean, I watch them a lot. Um, a lot of these guys uh, just have lost a step a bit, and that's really what it comes down to. They're they're better players, uh, you know, are a little bit getting a little bit longer in the tooth, and they're just not moving as well as they had in the past. They're young guys; they got some nice young guys, but uh, you know, the Volpe still needs a lot of work to do offensively, uh, pitching wise. Herman, I mean, Herman and Severino, uh, hit or miss, big time. So uh, the Yankees, to me, just they don't move well, and I, I don't. They're just they're not going to hit. Their, their lineup is not a typical Yankee lineup that we've seen in the past. We know that. So I, I think that that's what they did. I think Cash decided to you know, just try to play the middle as well as he can and his plan for the future and not give up uh, whatever other prospects they have left right now. So I, I think they're in the same boat as the Dodgers. How hard did they try right now to change things? Last point, Lorenzen. I love Lorenzen, by the way. I, had to, I was with him for a bit. I thought, and I told him, I said, you are kind of like Mark Fidrich Then he ends up going to Detroit. I I told him that last year. Um, I love his sinker. I love his sinker, and I love his changeup. He has a great changeup. Competitive, great athlete, great athlete, good guy. Um, uh, I'm curious now to get on a team that's winning. I want to see what he does. Um, For me, he gets uh, too complicated sometimes. I like when he's primal, pitches primarily with fastball, sinker, four seam or two, and then then the uh, changeup. And and uh, judiciously uses breaking ball, but um, I think this guy could put he, he puts the ball on the ground a lot. If you put a good defense behind him, uh, which the Phillies you know pretty much have right now on the ground up the middle, especially th- this this could be beneficial to him. So heads up with him. Like, I might like Michael a lot, and I'm really uh, pulling for his success. But uh, th- I thought that was a great acquisition.
2: That's a great scouting report, by the way. Mark Fidritz, man, he could put the ball on the ground as well as any. Pitcher I've ever seen. So, yep. yeah, good pickup by the Phillies. And you're right about the Yankees, especially when they play some of these athletic teams like the Orioles and the Rays. Uh, they do look old and slow. I was looking at this the other day, looking at some of their older hitters against Velocity, against 95 and above. And these guys are all 33 and above. Stanton's hitting a buck 78 against Velocity. Rizzo's hitting 209. Lemayhu is hitting 143 against 95 plus. And Josh Donaldson, I know he's out for the season, but he was hitting 0-48 against velocity. You're talking about, the, you know, the Yankees invested a lot in these older hitters, and the game changed on them. The rules of the game literally changed, and of course, we all know velocity goes up every year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're stuck with this team, as you said, Joe. That not a great, not great movers, and that includes in the batter's box. So I will give them this, though. I, I thought the perfect fit for the Yankees was a move they had to make weeks ago and that was Cody Bellinger. Mm-hmm. You know, uh Bellinger was the kind of young athletic hitter from the left side especially that kind of bat the Yankees really needed, mm-hmm. but that window closed because of how well the Cubs have played. So, listen, I don't know if they could have gotten uh Bellinger at that point the way the Rangers stepped up, jumped the market for Aroldis Chapman when they knew they had an obvious need in the bullpen, why wait till the deadline? Um, But there wasn't a whole lot out there for the Yankees bat-wise, impact bat-wise, once Bellinger came off the market. And speaking of the Cubbies, Joe, Mm -hmm. the Cubbies on July 17th had a 6% chance of going to the postseason. They were in a lot of trouble, right? Well, they've been red hot since then. They're only four games back now. They are in this thing now, and they're playing with a lot of belief. Picked up Jamer Candelario. Uh, who was one of the best bats on the market, and they go out and score 20 runs on 31 hits in their first game <laughs> of the other side of the deadline. So, I don't know. Rossi's got a little bit of a dangerous team right now, Joe. It reminds me of some of your Cubs teams that start playing better as the year goes on.
4: Agreed. That's what I've been seeing, too. Uh, uh, Candelario's a nice kid, too, man. Uh, people don't know him. He's wonderful. He's got a great way about him. Uh, when we first had him with the Cubbies, he was just coming up, and he showed great signs. Of being a good player, and then he went away. Now he's coming back, so I'm happy for him. He's good people. Um, I was watching Alzelay the other day on TV. Um, I don't know who he's been working with, but the the comebacker on the inside edge, the left handed hitters, is spectacular right now. Um, because I was curious why he was in the at the end of the game, and then I saw one pitch and I said, There it is. Uh, because right now you get out both righties and lefties, so they got this going on. They got some nice starters, but they have energy. I see energy on the field. I think Bellinger's uh. Renaissance really feeds a lot of that uh, energy on the field I love Nico Horner I think Nico's a winner I like him a lot I think he's a really good baseball player uh, and I like gomes behind the play too I think uh, there's another guy they got some they have a nice mix they got some young guys they got the right older guys almost like you said like we did in 2016 so there's a lot to like there right now uh, but I do see energy when they play I think they have some baseball players out there and like I said Alzele, I didn't know that this this is um, I was curious, but just check that out. Check out that uh, two seamer back front door against left hand hitters. It's a lot like uh, Kyle Hendricks with a lot more velocity. I was wondering if Kyle had worked with him at all.
2: Yeah, it's a good call. They've been waiting on him for a while. Always liked his arm. Just trying to find the right spot and and how to use him, but. It looks like he they have found the right spot now. Uh, give me your thought now on that division here because the Cubs are definitely in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brewers did what the Brewers do. You know they they tinkered around the edges of the roster, which is not a complaint. I mean they they just find a way to bring in the right pieces. I love bringing in Carlos Santana. They brought in Marcana, who's going to help in the outfield, some veteran presence. Uh, they're getting Brandon Woodruff back in that rotation, so. You know, we've seen this before. The Cubs, the Brewers can be a scary postseason opponent when they throw Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta at you. And we know how good the back of their bullpen is. So they'd love to get you in a three to two ball game. And chances are they're going to win that kind of game. And then the Reds, who, you know, they've been coming on like gangbusters, but didn't add anything really. Sam Mole reliever they added. But for a team with a lot of young starting pitching, they're going to ride with what they have. Now, I understand Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, both coming off the IL. So those are sort of like additions um, through the trade market, but coming off the IL. But, you know, I, I think the door is left open in that division, and I, I think it's now a three-team race with the Cubs. Well, first of all, yeah, I you're right. Uh, just when, they, when you talk about the Cubs,
4: the one thing that just comes to my head, it's hard to maintain that level of success. Would they win like almost 10 in a row, something like that recently went from way under to a little bit over 500. That's the one part that if there is, if they're able to, and you'll find that out over the next two weeks, if they're able to maintain that level, then they got a legitimate ch- chance or shot. It's just hard. It's hard to come back from that far. There's a lot of, again, uh, expenditure of energy to get there and then you get there and we'll see. So yes, I love what they're doing, but it's hard to maintain that level of, of victory the Reds to me are a little bit hot and cold, um, and again that could be the youthful component of that. Uh, you're going to get to September where some of these young guys actually are going to get a little bit fatigued. They're not used to that that kind of a grind all year. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, athletically and and the youth should be on their side. But then again, um, it could could break down at some point. But I do love them, which brings me to the Brewers. The Brewers to me, like you just said, with those pitching that pitching they've had, and they're kind of a steady methods. I uh, I think they're going to continue that. Uh, you know Craig in the dugout does a nice job with all that, and of course David does and So both Davids do, but um, I think there's a, a consistency, a steadiness about the Brewers. They're kind of a metronome. So uh, and you could be that way when you when you pitch like they do. And I like the acquisitions they just made too. So if I had if I had to rank them, I just still say the Brewers have an advantage just based on history and their pitching. Cubs uh, a lot of energy to get back there. And now it's going to be hard to stay there. And if they show you they can. not over the next two weeks heads up and the, and the reds, uh, just uh, they learning and understanding how to win, how to win late in the season and how to, when to get to the playoffs for the first time, that's, there's something to that. And so that's what they're experiencing right now. So when I, when I look at those three teams, that's how I see it.
2: Well, it's a good point. You make learning how to win. That reminds me of the next team we want to talk about. That's the Baltimore Orioles. And I've got to get your take on a couple of your former teams The Rays and the Angels. Sure. We'll do that right after this.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can events.
3: The
2: by visiting musicgives.org. I like that phrase you had, Joe, learning how to win. I really do believe there is something to that. You know the environment when you get down the stretch. It's a little bit different. Baseball becomes more of a sprint than a marathon. More urgency in games, how you respond to that. Uh, I always like teams that have been through that. Doesn't mean you can't win. When you're young, your team in 2016 was very young and they handled it really well down the stretch. Um, I look at the Baltimore Orioles. Your guy, Brandon Hyder has done a great job running that team. Best team in the American League. Uh, I thought all along they really needed a starting pitcher. Uh, they have some really good young pitchers who are throwing more innings than they ever have. We know know about their base of position players. It's terrific. And they went out and got Jack Flaherty. And I applaud the move. And this is where you have to rely on your scouts because Jack Flaherty, when he's right, he's he's got front of the rotation stuff. Now he's pitched better lately, but he has not been a swing and miss guy. ERA well above four. Uh, I like the addition, don't get me wrong, uh, but this is where you rely on your scouts about bringing in a guy like Jack Flaherty. Is he the answer for the Baltimore Orioles? Listen, when he was with the
4: Cardinals when I first saw him, I thought, man, this guy is going to be like He's going to be the bomb for years to come. He's so athletic and that's still when pitchers were hitting, he, he hit, he line drive the left field, get on first base and steal second. That good of an athlete. Um, I thought the delivery was sound. The stuff was outstanding. He didn't get tired. All the things you're looking for in a young start, a great body. And then like when I saw him more recently, <clears throat> I didn't like the arm strokes. I don't know what happened there. Uh, something's different than when I had seen him in the past is he, I'm not sure has he been injured is he did he hurt his arm at all?
2: yeah he's had some injuries, nothing major, but he's had some shoulder issues He's he's worked through those. There have been times where we've seen flashes of that flarity you talked about in those first couple of years uh-huh. um, but for the most part, no, he's not been this quite the same pitcher, and I'm with you by the way, when he got to the big leagues, man, he just looked like a repeater, yeah you know a, a guy that you can count on each year to make your thirty starts throw one hundred and eighty innings with a a three-something ERA, and um, it just hasn't been back there. I agree with you. The arm stroke just doesn't look the same. Something's off. Uh, I I watch him, and
4: then he'll miss by a lot, and then he'll come back. Just because he's so athletic, he'll get through some tough situations just based on athleticism, and he's got good stuff, but it doesn't have that purity that I saw when I first uh, saw him with the Cardinals several years ago. So I don't know what's been going. I didn't watch him closely enough, and like you said, scouts on the road, they did it with – Hicks, when they brought him to to Baltimore from the Yankees, they must have seen something. And apparently they probably saw something with Flyer. They're, he's young yet. He's got, a, again, one of the better athletes on the mound you're going to see in the game. It's kind of like uh, Musgrove with uh, San Diego. They're they're kind of uh, you know built like the same, and they're very athletic, and they got good stuff. But I, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm going to watch when he pitches up. I'll, I'll check out their games on the two, because this guy can be a difference maker. If they saw something and they could fix it and – create a little bit more fluidity about his delivery and, and get his um, command back heads up because his stuff is that good.
2: Yeah, let's talk about the Rays because they also got a starting pitcher. Aaron Savali of the, uh, of the Guardians, uh, listen, it's a head scratcher. If you're a Guardians fan, you're trading one of your best, healthiest starting pitchers when you're right smack dab in the middle of a race uh, for a prospect, first baseman, uh, who's thought of as a good hitter. And listen, we know the Guardians need hitting but these windows to get into the postseason are precious, every single one of them. Head scratcher to me, but okay, that's what the Guardians do. We've seen in the past trade starting pitchers during the season, whether it's Bauer, Clevenger, Kluber, on and on they go. Uh, But kudos to the Rays because we all know about the injuries, to Springs and Rasmussen. Now they have a really legit five-man rotation, Joe. No openers, guys who can give you length, Glassnome, McClanahan, Um, adding Savali to this mix. I really like the pickup. It didn't get a lot of attention. He's not Justin Verlander, uh, but he's got some of the best breaking ball metrics in all of baseball. And my goodness, we all know what the Rays can do with spin. So uh, give me your thoughts on where the Rays are at and adding Savali. Well, I I saw him
4: briefly with the uh, Indians. He is a very good breaking ball pitcher. Um, I don't even know. Maybe they did some kind of study in the Trop (laughs) <laughs> the combination of the the field and the barometric pressure there is going to make his breaking ball even better. Uh, he is a great addition for them. Uh, but going back to the Cleveland side, it just tells me they have somebody to replace them, somebody they like. Again, when things like this happen, there's got to be uh, somebody in the wings that they want to give opportunity to. And they know Savali better than anybody knows Savali. So there's something with that too. And I always consider that. Uh, but again, from the Rays' perspective, you know, they did slip a little bit more recently. I watched them last night. They looked pretty healthy last night. Uh, I guess Franco has not been the same since the little incident a couple months ago. And that has had some kind of an impact on them. There's, you know, internally, they're, they're not as, uh, groovy in the internally as they had been. I don't think a couple of months ago before this all occurred. And I don't know because again, I'm not around and I don't, I only watch some games on TV, but I, I look at things like that. This, uh, the kind of immeasurables and, and how impactful they can be. So they have a little bit of crack in the armor that they weren't showing earlier in the year, obviously, and Baltimore is not letting up. Listen, I love watching the Orioles. I do. Um, and they, they got you know somewhat close last year, and now this year um, they, they've added. Uh, you know Their young players are really coming into their own a bit. There's something about them. They got that look that other teams don't have nightly. And that's why I'm digging on them right now. But of course, the Rays have the history; they have the pedigree. But uh, there's just something there, and I, I'm not—I'm not 100% sure if I know what I'm talking about. But it's just an observation.
2: No, I actually would agree with you. I, I think they've struggled offensively for the last month. Uh, the happiness factor is not quite the same, and and the the Orioles definitely have that it factor. My goodness, these young players really came up together. They a lot of these guys have been teammates for a long time. Uh, And that includes Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman. And those two are two franchise players. When you start with two franchise players in their early 20s, up the middle on the diamond, catcher and shortstop, if you haven't seen Gunnar Henderson play, folks, I mean, you're missing something because this this guy is just an absolute stud. Big guy. Imagine Corey Seager uh, with more speed Mm -hmm. and, and a better throwing arm and more range. I mean, that's essentially who Gunnar Henderson is. (laughs)
4: So you're imagining Gunnar Henderson.
2: So yeah, I'm with you. I'm not discounting. I still think the Orioles are the team to beat, but I I do like the move the Rays have made. Uh, Let's move on to the angels and Mm -hmm. give them credit, man. I mean, if you're a fan, you always want your team to try as hard as it can to win, especially when you have a chance, even a chance to go to the postseason. And the Angels are doing that, man. I felt so bad. Taylor Ward goes down, gets hit by the face. Perry menazzi and the GM pivots immediately and gets Gritchick and Crone, original draft picks, by the way, by the Angels. But, man, I look around, and it's still going to be tough for them because the Astros got better. The Orioles got better. The Rays got better. The Blue Jays got better. All the teams that are in front of the Angels for a playoff spot have not made it any easier for the angels to start leapfrogging anybody for that last wild card spot.
4: Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think they they got they, they kind of got the right guys. Um, they got some veteran presence in there, uh, hard players. I, I'm i a Cron dog fan. I had his daddy back in the minor leagues, um, Chris, CC. I had CC for years, and CJ has the same kind of attitude as his dad. Um, I love that part about it. And Grichuk, I, I watched him from a distance with St. Louis, um, this guy can strike out four times in a night and come out the next night and whistle three balls to right center. Uh, good outfield. hard player. They got hard players. Uh, stock is hard player. The guys they picked up are hard players, and I like that. Uh, the biggest challenge they have there for Phil right now, I think, is just bringing them all together in a short period of time. I think what they're trying to do, they've kind of emulated the success story of the Braves from a couple years ago, and they brought in all those outfielders simultaneously at the trade deadline, and they got some, you know, Soler and Rosario, Duvall, and uh, when missing, oh, and uh, Jock Peterson. I mean, it's kind of similar to that. And uh, they got a pitch, and they've been pitching a little bit better. Um, defensively, of course, we got to catch the ball, but the attitude on the field has dramatically improved with these guys. They got real guys. They got grownups uh, with good makeup. So they're going to be, it's going to be curious to watch this whole thing unfold. But again, the, to me, the most difficult thing to do right now is you got good players is to bring them together and, and not just be mercenaries and be angels and see if that results in a winning season.
2: Yeah, but I would agree with you. They, they got the right players to make that happen. When you think about Mike Moustakis and Eduardo Escobar, these guys are great teammates. You know that, Joe. Uh, it's important mm-hmm. when you drop yeah. guys mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the year and as many as the Angels have. So I think at least in terms of character, uh, I, I think they have the right group to make that happen.
4: I agree. I mean, that's that's what I look at. I I always talk about having grown-ups in a room. I mean, that'd be my, I'll be lamenting that during the course of a season sometimes. I did more recently with the Angels because there wasn't enough grown-ups in a room. Guys that may eventually be better players, but for right now, it just wasn't working. So you need to get grown-ups in a room and meaning guys like Moustakas. What does that mean? A guy that shows up every day, is not afraid to call somebody out, conversation. I'm not talking about loudly in front of everybody, but go to the locker and have the right kind of conversation with that player. Uh, that's important. I I just, I've already mentioned this uh, before. I think Moustakis is might be the most valuable addition. I see him, it's out almost to when the Royals brought in Ibanez a couple years ago. I see him having that kind of personality, that kind of impact. Uh, very positive uh, guy and a good player. I mean, he's a, He's a better player than the people give him credit for. He's a clutch player. So that's what they needed. They needed to do that. And they've done that.
2: Just to give you an idea, though, how tough the schedule is coming up here. They're just finishing up a series at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Then they play the Mariners, the Giants, the Astros, the Rangers, the Rays, and the Reds. <laughs> I mean, that's tough. That's a tough stretch
4: for the Angels. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, when I was looking at it, when they were making all these moves, and I kept getting the same question, even on MLB Network, like, "What do you think? What should they do?" And I'm, well, I understand why they're doing what they're doing, but they, I don't, is there a tougher schedule than theirs right now? Um, you know, it comes mathematically, I don't even know because I saw, I looked at their, I looked at the last two months, and said, "Wow, that's quite a trip." But um, I also believe this: uh, it's going to bring out the best in that group they've already played the the Braves tough the last two nights uh two losses in Toronto come back and win a tough game on the last day there's there's a there's a grit about these group of guys and I, I like these guys I do I, I know a lot of them and I think they're they're good people and they they're hard players and they care so um that's it they're they have an almost impossible schedule but in order to be the best you got to beat the best and it might bring out the best in them because
2: on a nightly basis there's there's no There's no let-ups. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we're going to take one last quick break. We come back. We're going to wrap things up. And uh, I want to ask Joe if the trade deadline at all changed his idea of who is bound for the World Series. We'll be right back.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
2: by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast, wrapping things up, our trade deadline special. By the way, Joe, I mentioned the uh, the Guardians kind of head scratcher moving a starting pitcher there in the race, but it's head scratcher. The Minnesota Twins did absolutely nothing. This is a team that... Got absolutely scorched at the deadline last year uh, in trades for Pablo Lopez and Tyler Maley. Gave up a lot of prospects. Got basically nothing in return. I don't know whether they turned gun-shy or not, but they did nothing to an offense that has way too much swing and miss. And I know that the opportunity, the door is wide open to win a very weak division. I get that. It wasn't like they had to do anything. Uh, but man, I wanted to see the Twins add a right-handed bat, somebody who could put put the ball in play. A guy like Tommy Pham, who wound up with the Arizona Diamondbacks, was a, was a great fit. Uh, so yeah, it's a flip of a coin. I don't know who you like in that division, though, uh, Joe. You're talking about the Twins and the Guardians. Neither one had a, a great deadline.
4: Well, the beginning of the year, I, I really thought Minnesota had a, a solid chance. I've been surprised. I check up on them daily, and uh, they they keep spinning their wheels, but. I've been in part of groups that have spun their wheels up until August, and all of a sudden you gain traction, like you're saying. Um, you think that they may have added something, uh, some kind of energy, some something they need, as you're suggesting with contact. Um, but they still, they still have, I think, the best chance of winning that division. Um, I do. Uh, of course, that's I'm not stepping out on a limb. Uh, they have really good talent. They they need they need to catch a wave at some point and start riding it. So uh, again, I don't know the internal makings of all that. And when it comes down to more acquisitions, they, there, I could actually see meetings there where the guys are saying, yeah, if we do something like this, they may get us to the playoffs, but do we want to sacrifice the future because I don't see us going deeply into the playoffs. So there's all these different kinds of uh, conversations that do occur that either motivate a group to do something or to hold on to what they got. They should, they should at some point gain some traction and do it. Uh, I do like their pitching. Uh, and like you said, offensively, just – I don't know philosophically. I don't know. I mean, this the strikeout world that uh, we live in. Um, I, I just haven't watched them enough. I got to start putting them on the MLB Network a little bit more often, or my the MLB package, and start checking them out. I just I look at them in the in the newspaper a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, as you know, that the teams that really put it together put together a charge. You want to go back to 07 with the Rockies won something like 21 out of 22 down the stretch. Mm-hmm. We all remember those because they're outliers. It's very difficult to you know play one way for 110 games or 105 games, and then all of a sudden be lights out. Right. And I think about the San Diego Padres in that regard, right? You look at their roster, their talent, and they made some moves that improved the roster a little bit. Yep. Um, but they're still under 500. In my book, to get to 87 wins, which I think is the, the minimum you're going to need to be a postseason team, they need to finish 35 and 20. I see nothing about the way they've played the entire season to think that's possible. But I look at the roster <laughs> on paper and I think, why can't they play 650 baseball? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've con- confounded me all year, Joe. Sometimes you wait for a run and it never comes.
4: Well, I watch them too. And I just, again, uh, for lack of a better terms, I just don't like the way they play a lot. I mean, uh, there's just something kind of missing. Uh, there's a, a level of intensity um, that just doesn't seem to be present there. But the names are great, great names, uh, really good names on the field and on the, on the mound and the bullpen. A lot of really good names. It just does not want to click. And um, it's you're right. It's hard to ch- to just turn that uh, dimmer switch up, and all of a sudden you're going to be good. Now, the one situation I've been in, and you're aware of this, was the what the greatest night in baseball because that month the Rays we came from like eight or nine games back at the September 1st in order to um, uh, edge out the Red Sox on the last day of the season. So, you know, when teams choose to give up or whatever, I I always in the back of my mind, because listen, as a manager, I would start trying to map out different ways that we're going to, that we're going to catch up. And like a game a week or two games, um, maybe a week in August. I mean, I had all this different, or in September, different uh, scenarios plotted out. So it's not impossible but you have to play, uh, obviously, at a very high level mentally. It really does, comes down to it. It's, it's, a, there's, it's a mental um, exercise because on a daily basis, brother, of course, you're going to make mistakes. But if you do, you've got to be able to turn the page and move on very quickly to the next moment. That's part of it that helps you um, get through these tough times or achieve um, the 35 and 20 kind of a record that you're looking for. Um, that stuff does happen. But it takes a mental effort, a giant mental effort, more than anything.
2: Yeah, I like the way you put that. You just can never give up. You really have to keep the pedal to the floor. And even then, as you did with uh, with the Rays that year, you need help. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox yeah. absolutely collapsed in Correct. September. They won something like five and twenty. So you need both ends to work in your favor. Mm-hmm. All right, I I think that the the deal for Justin Verlander makes the Houston Astros for me. The favorite to come out of the American League. I, I just have so much respect for the way that team plays postseason baseball. They put the ball in play, been there, done that. That's a big factor for me. Um yeah, starting two of Valdez and Verlander, however you want to arrange them, is I mean, I don't know if anybody's got better first two at the top of the rotation. Um, especially if they can win the division and stay out of the wild card round in the first round, get their pitching lined up. That would be huge. Uh, so, in the American League, I, I like the Houston Astros, Joe. I think when we look back on it, I think the trade of Verlander will be the most impactful trade that happened at the deadline.
4: It's hard to argue against that. However, I still uh, like Texas. I think, you know, Boach really helps that situation a lot, quite frankly. The bullpen, you know, Chappie's throwing the ball really well. And last night they used him first and then Smith second to finish a game last night. It was a 2 nothing win. Team on the field, um, you know, like I said, they're good, they're not great. But I, you know, Andrew Heaney, with eleven punch outs the other night? I'll see Andrew. To me, is like one of the best kept secrets. If this guy just trusts and believes in his fastball, because his other stuff is pedestrian, his fastball is that good. But no, just pointing it out, I they're still there, and and that's going to be, uh, I think, Houston's um, obviously biggest challenge is them, and and of course the Braves in the National League. But I, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch, especially that they're they're uh, in the same division couple hours apart actually physically uh geographically uh, geog- geography speaking so um i got houston and texas making it very interesting
2: yeah and by the way we should have mentioned that texas uh i think it's the most impactful under the radar deal was getting austin hedges to catch i mean a huge injury to jonah heim who, who's having an all-star season does a great job receiving blocking throwing uh, and Hedges, you're not going to get the offense. But my goodness, he's a premier receiver behind the plate. Um, and listen, you, you made the investment in pitchers like Evaldi. We'll see if he's healthy. Heaney and now Scherzer. They're going to love throwing to Hedges. So that that's a big one in my book. And you know with Bochy, it's that's important for him as well and the way he runs a game mm-hmm. to have that, mm-hmm. that really defensive-minded catcher behind the plate. So it's good on Chris Young for picking up. I, I thought it was a need to get a catcher. And to me, they got one of the best defensive catchers in the game.
4: Is Montgomery there too?
2: And the Montgomery German. there as well. Exactly. See,
4: I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I uh, He's one of those under the radar guys, um, you know, with the Yankees, I liked what I saw there. Came on good with the Cardinals. Um, I, he's, they're probably, you know, I don't even know if it's uh, matching up against the uh, Astros. Uh, Alvarez though, Alvarez pummels left-handed pitching. There's no advantage to be had there. I don't know if he's, cooled down with that but i like that move also so they as a pitching group the the rangers are pretty tough to beat right now
2: montgomery is amazing to watch i mean he gets two strikes on you he's not going to throw the ball in the strike zone he's nope. going to bounce his breaking ball bounces change up and guys still swing at it there must be something about the way he throws guys just don't track it well off him
4: well there's deception there's absolute deception there and it's kind of like a bigger version of like Jeff Zahn or um, or Tommy John. I mean, they, I used to catch these guys in workouts, and they would never throw the ball over the plate, never. The white part of the plate was never utilized. It was always edges, an inch or two off the edges, and like you said, underneath. Because back then it wasn't about throwing the ball up in the zone hardly at all. Uh, but I, I think he's a, there's a craftiness about this guy. I, I don't know him, um, but I
2: like the way he pitches, and I think he could be tough in the latter part of the year. Well, Joe, this has been fun and I think it's a fun time of year because this is the stage of a season where urgency comes into play, right? It's it's the sprint begins now. Mm-hmm. You're on the other side of the trade deadline. You know, with the new rules with the deadline, it's not like you're going to sneak guys through waivers. There's more deals coming the way the Astros got Verlander a few years ago. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is the team that you have pretty much going forward other than guys who are released. And everybody knows that. Everybody's locked in with the personnel they have now. And it's game on. It's, as you said, you got to lock it in every game down the stretch here. It's a fun time of year.
4: And this is where really good farm systems uh, play big too. Because like I said, with the Dodgers, I don't know this. I don't know anything about their farm system except that they're hiding somebody. They got somebody that they really dig on, that they're going to eventually pop at us uh, in the near future. I I really believe that. So it comes down to that kind of stuff too. And also guys getting well. Uh, I think you mentioned that about a couple of pitchers coming back for a particular team, but that's another part of it. That's another version of an acquisition is when you've lost somebody for the majority of the season, all of a sudden he's going to get well, August, September, that's kind of an acquisition too. And you got to be aware of that. So, um, yes, you can not acquire anybody like traditionally, but, um, I like, um, uh, I'd like to, this is when you really scour the farm systems and what people are doing. Like I said, the injured list who's coming back, cause that could be a difference maker too.
2: Hmm. You just made me think about Walker Bueller. Maybe yep. he's ahead of there schedule maybe he's going mm-hmm. to be a weapon, even if it's out of the bullpen for that Dodger they, team. Very interesting. They got,
4: something go- they got something going on.
2: Yeah. How about you? You got something for us to take us out here in our trade deadline edition of the book of Joe podcast. Yeah.
4: This young, uh, uh, philosophical young lady by the name of Nick- Nicole Lyons, uh, loved it. Whatever it is that stirs your soul, listen to that. Everything else is just noise. I think I live by that. So, um, I thought that was like really appropriate to me. Whatever it is that stirs your soul, listen to that. Everything else is just noise. Love it.
2: Very poetic. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's been fun, Joe. We'll see you next time.
4: Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.
2: The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
3: Okay.